I'm just happy to be here. Uh, we had a great time when we were in Florida. You guys sent us there, and it really was great. We had a, a beautiful time, uh, and so we appreciated that from the body. Uh, Patricia's in Michigan this weekend, and so uh, she'll be back, I think, on Tuesday. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, we had some interesting times. I was happy to be here mostly because we did a snorkeling trip. Yeah, you may have seen on my Facebook that I, I did catch three large shark. I caught a, one bullhead and two spinner sharks. The bullhead was like about eight foot long and uh, the other two were like a, a 80, 100 pounds. It was just a lot of fun and then uh, some different, uh, different fish that we caught uh, went out on a, just a private charter. And it was really a lot of fun. And then we went out on a snorkeling tour. Now, I don't know if you've been on one of those before, but uh, the, before we left, they said, it's really choppy. So if you want to back out, you can. As that's how bad it was. They were offering you a refund and so forth. And we really didn't have another time to do it. So we thought, let's just go for it. You know, what's the most we, that could happen? <clears throat> and so... Uh, so we did, and we got out there, and uh, you know they were explaining that when you get near the edge of the, the reef, that it really starts getting rough and so forth, and uh, so you don't want to go, you know, beyond that. Well, of course, you never tell somebody not to do something, right? And so I decided to to go out there, and I got out there quite a ways, and and uh, the next thing I found out was I realized that I was being pushed out, and I found myself in this cove of reef. Uh, with only one way back out of that. And uh, so I started swimming my little heart out uh, uh, ineffectively to get out of that, that little area because it was really rough and it was just kind of rolling me and uh, pushing me out. And so uh, I finally, uh, in the process of trying to struggle to get back you know, where I should have been, um, I took in some salt water. Well, I don't know if you've ever done that snorkeling, but it's no fun at all. So you start choking, and then the more you choke, the more water you get in when you're trying to get rid of the water, and the waves were kind of bellowing. And at this point, honestly, I just started, the only thing I could remember was uh, what happened to Nemo's brothers and sisters <laughs> when they got past that reef. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so I was actually a little bit panicky, and I'm swimming my heart out. And finally, I get around to where there was... Uh, uh, a couple other snorkelers, you know, so I got in a little bit. <clears throat> and uh, uh, the guy looked over at me and he, uh, he said, do you need some help? <laughs> well, this is obvious. You don't ask that unless it looks like you need some help. <laughs> but of course I said, no, I think I'm fine. <clears throat> and so that was pride. Honestly, it was pride. And so anyway, so he kind of just stayed by me, you know. And so finally I was, you know, because I was out of breath. I was choking on that crazy salt water and took the snorkel off and was holding it. And they give you a life jacket, but it's one that you have to blow up yourself because they don't want you to have it on when you're trying to snorkel because that doesn't work well. You really get carried away. And so, but you have to blow it up yourself. I don't know if you've tried blowing something up when you're coughing salt water or not, but it's really a challenge. And so this guy's kind of staying by me, you know, and uh, finally he said, hey, you sure you don't need any help, you know? I said, well, maybe, maybe. He said, well, why don't you just let me hold your snorkel? I said, okay, that's a deal. So I gave him the snorkel, and uh, then I was able to 
put a couple breaths into that life jacket, and he said, hey, listen, he said, if you just, if you just get on your side and, and just calm down and swim, that's the easiest way to breathe when you're in water is on your side, which I didn't know that. He obviously had experience. He was just another snorkeler, but he had experience, apparently. I was willing to believe and take any advice at this point. So, so I just started swimming, and I did uh, obviously make it back. So I survived it, but it was a bit scary. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, we really had a great time. It was fantastic. Uh, uh, of course, I love the ocean, which I have missed since we've gotten here from the West Coast. So... Uh, that was a lot of fun. So anyway, that was uh, that's my story for that. Um, I, I survived the rough ocean. It couldn't do me in. All right, you you probably have some notes there, and I want to go through some thoughts this morning uh, with you. Um, and I kind of titled it. I'm not really sure if it's a good title. Uh, it's how to flourish through the seasons of change. How to flourish through seasons of change and. Um, I, I think if there's one thing that's unavoidable in life, it's, it's change, right? That's the only constant that we really have is change. It doesn't change. It continues to happen. And uh, what we hear a lot of these days is uh, that uh, people are looking for a new norm. Has anybody ever heard that term? <clears throat> this is like a new norm. We want a new norm. We need a new norm. We, and, and, and we hear that a lot. Uh, and we've heard it a lot for the last year and a half, almost two years now, that that's been a new phrase that seems to be permeating everybody's thoughts and hearts. What's the new norm? Well, uh, on your notes there, uh, uh, we, we need to go to a true norm, not a new norm. A true norm, not a new norm. And, and uh, we were constantly trying to figure out what would that new norm look like. Well, it, it's pretty hard because everything kept changing and things are still changing. And so uh, I think if we can look this morning at what is the new norm and, uh, <clears throat> and, and what that might look like, <clears throat> excuse me, it might help us a little bit because we're still on the journey. How many realize that? We're still not out of the woods as a nation. We're still not out of the woods. We're still in the woods. And, and yet God has the answer. God has the answer. God knows everything and all things, and he has the answer. He's not caught off guard. And he, he's the sovereign God, and when we talk about the sovereignty of God, that really means literally <clears throat> he's in complete control. Nothing is out of his control. Even when it looks like it, feels like it, sounds like it, it's still not out of God's control. It's impossible for that to happen. He's a sovereign God. Now, he involves us in the course of our journey and his, his plan and purpose, and we might choose to back away from it or stay out of it, but it's still going to move forward. It's not going to stop. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And then part of the the new norm, as I uh, have thought through this and looked through the scriptures and so forth, I've come to find out that, that, that the, the true norm would be what Israel went through over and over in the Old Testament and what the disciples went through in the New Testament, and that was to, that they needed to return to the Lord wholeheartedly. We have a word that we call repent, which we've always just applied to some bad sinner that needed to repent. 
But in reality, the word repent just simply means to return, come back to the Lord and, and, and follow him wholeheartedly. So many people live their daily lives as if God doesn't even exist or as they live their daily lives as if God doesn't really have a plan. But the scripture is very clear that he not only has a plan, but it says he has a plan for you too in his plan. And he wants you to engage into that. And he wants you to be a part of his amazing plan of redemption. But so many people just live life every day. And they, they, the, the, the more they live life every day as if there's not really a God that has a plan or a purpose, the more they drift away from him. And, and this happens not only with individuals, but it also happens with nations. And we, again, read through the Old Testament and you begin to see that, that over and over God had to call Israel back and say, return to me. I want you to return to me. You've drifted away. You've lost your, 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 your compass. You've lost your, uh, your direction in life. And so this morning as we look at a few things, I want to just encourage you to consider uh, where are you at in the scope of your life and in the scope of his plan and purpose? Do you think about it? Do you know he has a plan and a purpose? Do you know he has a future and a hope for you? Is this is what Jeremiah was trying to communicate to a people that had totally turned their back. Although a storm could indicate that we are out of the will of God, how many realize that a storm uh, doesn't all, we don't always have to think that when we recognize or we find ourselves in a storm in life? Here's a, here's a statement for you a storm is always designed to increase your faith and move you into a deeper experience with God. Let me say that again. Our, our, in case you haven't realized that our whole, our whole globe is in a storm right now. Our whole globe is changing right now. And, and, and we have to recognize this and just be aware of this so that we can do what we should do in the midst of it. Storm is always designed to increase your faith and move you into a deeper experience with God. Will I recognize that or will I ignore that and just keep moving as if there's really nothing big happening? You know, que sera, sera, you know, we, we always have these things happen around us and uh, it seems like... Uh, things happen all the time. We hear it in the news and then it's gone and then we hear something else in the news and it's gone and then we hear something else in the news and it's gone. And then pretty soon you get kind of numb to the fact that, you know something, we really are changing. You know, I, I didn't realize that I was getting so far out and that I was getting pushed into a cove that I had to get back out of when I was out in that water. I didn't realize that or I obviously wouldn't have done it. I thought I had a way through. But when I got to the end, all of a sudden I realized, whoa, this is a problem. <laughs> you know, we got a problem going here. And so uh, I, I think that's how it is in life sometimes. We, we kind of just get moving and we're overwhelmed with just trying to make it. And we're overwhelmed with trying to succeed. And we're overwhelmed with trying to make this life work. And we forget about the eternal life. How many have ever been there before? I mean, you just get so busy, you're just so overwhelmed, you're so you're so just so trying to make it work here in the name of Jesus, but yet you forget about Jesus. You forget about him, you forget about his plan and purpose. And this is what he calls his people back to. Okay. And he gave us a promise, didn't he? He says, if you'll seek first what? 
the kingdom, all the rest of this stuff will be taken care of. And if you want to know what all the rest of that stuff is, read Matthew chapter 6, uh, 1 all the way to 33, and you'll begin to see that it has to do with everything about life. I mean, how many times have you tried to take care of things in this life and it just didn't work out? And you really worked hard to make it work right. You didn't work to fail, but yet somehow it just didn't seem to work. You didn't raise your kids to rebel, but somehow they ended up rebelling. You didn't raise yourself to go broke, but somehow you ended up broke. You didn't, you didn't plan your future and your finances so that you wouldn't have anything at the end, but somehow it just disappeared. And there was nothing you could do about it. It was done. It was over. So how do we get back to the true norm? How do we get back to the true norm? Amos chapter 7, verses 7 and 8 gives us a, a big clue. Amos is uh, uh, pointing out the, 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 the facts here. He's a prophetic person in the Old Testament, he, in the book of Amos, of course. And it's, let me just read a few of these verses and see if you can pull something out of here that might help us to understand where we should be going. Thus he showed me, he's getting a vision, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line. And with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? So he's calling the prophet out to say, hey, I'm showing you this, but what are you really seeing? And I think that's oftentimes valid for us, you know, when we look around in life. What are you really seeing? And this is what he's trying to point out to the prophet Amos. Amos, what do you see? And I said, I see a plumb line. And then the Lord said, behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not pass by them anymore. That's not a really good statement at this point from him. What he's saying is, I've put the plumb line <clears throat> in front of them, and they're ignoring it. They're totally not caring about it. And we know, ultimately, the plumb line is Jesus Christ, and that's who they ultimately rejected. But he was trying to get their attention a thousand years earlier to say, what do you see? And, and my question for us today might be, uh, as, you, as you read the plumb line, what are you seeing? in here. Do you see this as applying to your life and as important or is it just a, you know, a religious book that we probably know we should read because we've been told we should read it and and so therefore I just read it or has it become your plumb line for life? See, if we can get grounded in the word, we're on the best rock we can be possibly be on. And so Amos is trying to communicate this, and, and you know, he starts out, and, and this is important, I'll just throw this out, he, he gets three visions, okay? The first one is of grasshoppers and locusts, which are devouring the grass. But then the scripture goes on to say that he stopped the grasshoppers or the locusts from devouring the grass because Amos began to pray, began to ask him. And then the second vision is he said it was a fire, and it was drying up, and it was even deep. And, and, and he goes on to say it was withering part of the land. But then God removed it because of Amos's prayer. Amos inquired of the Lord. So he saw these things, but he also saw the ability and the impact as a man to stop what he saw happening. And I wonder sometimes if, if the church really is the answer to the world's problems... Okay, if it is, then 
Are we seeing properly and are we doing what we need to do to see things change? Because God loves people. God does not want to see people destroyed. He doesn't want to see people misled. He doesn't want to see people deceived. He loves people like he loves you. He loves every person on this planet. And, and, And yet every person on this planet that doesn't know Jesus Christ has no answer. Right? Because there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of that is destruction. So we see people, everyday people, trying their best to make things work, but it's just not happening. And then again, his third vision is this plumb line idea. He sets out this plumb line for the people. And so we see this happening. Uh, and, and, and he's really just pointing out something that Israel was completely missing. And that is, is that, uh, that they had fallen into religion. Oh, they still had the tabernacle and they still have the priest. They still had all the setup. But they were all being very religious. And it became just a religion. Well, guess what? That can happen today. In, in the American church. Come on. It, it can. It can happen in our lives. And see, we need to be very, I guess, aware of that. And, and as I was processing through, you know, just, you know, what is the Lord wanting to say to us in this day? I, I believe he's, he is trying to rally his people. He's trying to wake his people up. He's calling his church to return because we are actually seeing uh, his church in many respects not returning, but going in another direction. And, and, and regardless of the reason, most everyone now realizes or recognizes that as a nation, we are in a season of chaos, we're in a season of confusion, we're in a season of storms, and in the middle of all that, we're also in a season of change. Things change. It's, it's amazing how uh, things change. And as I was uh, thinking about this, I was reminded of Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. Now listen to this. In those days, there was a king. There was no king, excuse me, in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king. There was no president. There was nobody over Israel and everybody began to do what was right in their own eyes. Now, I just want to respectfully say today that our president doesn't appear to be leading us. And so, what we see happening now is everybody trying to do what? What's right in their own eyes. Have you noticed lately how many things are popping up? How many things are beginning to happen? And, and the discouragement is that you feel like, well, what can I do about this? Right? Anybody here, anybody here with me? You see stuff, but you just sit back and say, well, what do we do about it? Well, we can vote in, two, in another year. Well, wait a minute. In the meantime, all this stuff is happening. Honestly, mandates keep coming without being laws. Right? Parents are losing their rights to be involved in their children's education and their moral decisions. There's shortages. There's prices increasing. People aren't wanting to work. Isn't that the craziest thing? 
Has anybody been to a restaurant that was closed early because they just didn't have employees? Or you waited forever because they didn't have enough employees to serve you? Anybody here? Are you seeing this around? Are you seeing permanent help wanted signs going? I mean, this is, this is crazy. This is happening around us. It's just like, we, I, don't get that. That, I don't get that any more than I get the toilet paper shortage we had at the beginning of this thing. It just doesn't make sense. Businesses, small businesses in particular, are doing what? They're closing. Our borders are in total chaos. Uh, genders are in question. Other nations are laughing at us. So we have a lot happening. When, when, when there is no, there was no king in Israel, all this stuff was beginning to happen because everybody began to do what was right in their own eyes. And I'm thinking that, uh, that we are in a big storm of change that needs a solution right now. And as I thought it through, again, feeling at times probably like you, it's just like, wow, what do we do? I know we need to do something, but it just appears that there's nothing we can really do. But I want to say to you today that there is something we can do. And as the church, we need to rise up and begin to cry out to God. We need to return to Him. And that's what has always been said throughout the whole Old Testament. It didn't say go uh, get mad and, 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 and do all this crazy stuff. But it says, hey, if you return back to me, I will deal with that situation. God loves America. He loves America. Come on, he loves every nation, but he loves America too. He didn't all of a sudden not like us. Are we kind of rotten in the core to some degree? Yeah. But guess what? He's never stopped loving us even because of that. But he wants us to return to him and become wholehearted uh, followers of Christ. And don't forget, a storm is always going to be designed to increase your faith and move you into a deeper experience with God. Probably one of the questions that I might ask you and you might ask yourself really is, you know, how are you doing these days? Are you just mad at the world still? Are, are you mad at our government right now more than you are saying, God, I need to get back to you. I need to really get back to you. I mean, this is what's going to make the difference. We need to learn that we can trust God uh, through every storm of change, through everything that's happened. Ecclesiastes says this even uh, really about the sovereignty of God. It says there is an appointed time for everything. There's a time for every event under heaven. There's a time. Now, let me ask you this question. And just, you know, again, this is just, you know, for you to answer within your own heart. Uh, uh, um, because of everything that's going on around us, have you to some degree lost heart and lost vision for what God has said to you in your life and into your personal life? Have you kind of been slowed down with it all? Has it been beginning to affect you? Or uh, like with Amos and with uh, Jeremiah and with David and with uh, the rest of the prophets, are you beginning to hear from God about what he wants to do? See, he wants to speak to you. He opened the door through Jesus Christ for every one of us to receive his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit was what guided Jesus and all the prophets. And so he's opened that door for all of us to receive the guidance and the, and the insights from God about what's happening around us and then to give us the direction and the solution for that. 
And I, 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 I hate to say it, but I, I think what we're seeing is that there's, there's even um, <clears throat> a lot of believers that are just losing heart. Because they're discouraged. They're not seeing what they want. They wanted one thing and they prayed for one thing and it didn't happen and now they're discouraged. It's like, wait a minute, let's not, let's not go there. Because we serve a sovereign God who's in charge of everything. If it didn't happen, maybe, maybe he's involved in this thing and he wants to show us something. So that we can enter into that something. Because he always uses his people to do whatever he does. Very few times in Scripture will you find God just operating alone. There are a few times. But most of the time it's always, hey, I'm going to use you. I'm calling you out. I'm, 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 I'm pulling you toward me. And I want to show you these things and these things to come. So I want to go through just a brief story with us found in the book of Mark, which we're all very familiar with, but yet I believe it serves some, some, some lessons for us that may help us to navigate through these storms and, of change and through these things that are happening around us that we don't quite understand and that maybe today God will pull you a little deeper into uh, what he is doing uh, and, and how he's doing it. And, and, and maybe just even challenge you up a little bit with what he's about to challenge his disciples up with. Because I think they're going through, or we're going through a very similar situation. So let's just look through a few scriptures. You have these, a uh, uh, place on your notes. Uh, you can read these and we'll have them up on the uh, overhead here today. Mark chapter 4, and we'll just start through verse 35. I, I love just kind of reading through the scriptures sometimes and just making a few comments. And I, I believe that the Holy Spirit, because he's the teacher, will open up maybe some things to you this morning that will help us on the journey that we're, we're on because we are on the winning team. That's good news. Uh, we are on the winning team. We don't have to fear. Uh, but yet we, got, we also have to get in gear. We have to get it in gear. We have to do what he says. On the same day... Uh, when evening had come, he said to them, his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. So he's asking them to get in the boat. He's going to get in it with them. And he's asking them, let's go to the other side. So really that's direction, isn't it? This is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. Guys, we're going to go to the other side. So Jesus himself has given him very specific direction, and, and so it's real clear. Sounds simple to me. Great. We ought to make it. Uh, weren't they just walking with Jesus through a bunch of miracles and so forth? And now it was time to get on the boat. We're going to go to the other side. Simple, right? Easy. Nothing could possibly go wrong. He's on the boat. He's given us specifics. It's going to be smooth. And he might catch a shark on the way across. Oh, if you could have just seen it, it was eight foot long. I have a blister on my hand from reeling him in. It was so, so fun. After about the third one, it was getting less fun. But uh, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's so much fun. Anyway, so he, he, he gives them instructions. So basically, we could say that uh, they stepped into the will of God. He gave them some simple instructions. Get in the boat, go across. That's what we're doing. That's the next stage of this journey. You've already seen all these miracles. Now let's go. He didn't pull a Jonah and say, no, we're not going to do it. 
Okay, they, they just went along with it. This is the will of God. In verse 36, and now when they had left the multitude, the crowds, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And as I, I read that, I thought, wow, you know, they, they, they had a lot of people following him. They, they, they knew who Jesus was, and they had seen these miracles that had been happening, and now they're going to follow him across. If he's going, we're going. And then when I, saw, when I read that, I thought, you know, it's just much like us right now. Do you know that people are watching you? If they know you're a Christian, if they know you're a believer in Jesus Christ, do you know they're watching you right now? And, and then they're probably following you from a little bit of a distance. And they're, they're, what are they doing? They're trying to see, you know, because the whole world is being shaken right now. No denial. The whole world's being shaken right now. Everybody's being impacted by this. Everybody feels the sinking sand. Okay, and so, so these guys are too. So now they're following the believers to see, well, what are the believers going to do? What are you going to do? And what kind of an example are you going to lead? And I, and I just believe today that the church is that. And, and, and that as everything's being shaken, uh, more people that know you're a believer, which I know that everybody you know knows you're a believer, right? Whether it's at the workplace where they don't want you to say anything about it or what, they want you to, uh, they all know you're a believer. How many would say yes, amen? Okay, so, so, so they're all now watching you to see what's going to happen because there's all this instability happening around them, people doing crazy things, running wild, and so forth. And we go on to verse 37, uh, and, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, not just on the boat, but into the boat. This is getting bad. And so it was already filling up. So they have this little boat, and they're going across, and all of a sudden they were following the instructions of Jesus, the Lord, the master, the teacher, uh, and, and then now all of a sudden there's this huge storms around them. Has anybody ever been walking in what you felt the will of God was and feel a little bit of a storm around you happen? And I have. And, and, you know, I do know a little bit about how this feels. When we were uh, in uh, Trinidad, West Indies, we went fishing. Uh, I like to fish. One of these days I'll even get good enough at it that I can really catch a lot of fish. But, uh, but we go to the, Philip, the, the, the Trinidad, and they said, hey, you want to go fishing? I'm in. Okay. Well, what I didn't know was in a third world country, their boats aren't too stable. You know, they're just these, this, it was just this little wooden thing that was all rickety and uh, you could see water leaking into it and, and we get in there and we go out there. Well, we didn't have a storm, but we did have jellyfish all around us and the boat had taken up enough water that honestly the water was just like even with the thing. I'm thinking maybe it's time to go in, guys. I'm happy. I've caught enough, you know. And, and, and so these guys are on this boat, and it's probably not this amazing boat like we have today, but the, the, the storm arises, and the, the word uh, windstorm there, uh, there's a place, I think, for you to write this down. The word is uh, laolaps in, in the Greek. It's laolaps. And here's what it means. It means a whirlwind. A violent attack of wind, never just a single gust or a steady blowing wind, but a storm breaking forth from black thunder clouds in furious guts, uh, gusts that almost sounds like Kansas. Uh, you know how fast they come on around here uh, with floods of rain and throwing everything into topsy turvy. 
And so all of a sudden now, they're not just in a mild wind thing. They're just in this amazing storm with, uh, uh, well, I remember once we, when we used to have the 4th of July things, we kind of gave up on them because of this. Uh, we had everything set up up on the hill there. We had tents. We had everybody up there. And uh, all of a sudden, the weather changed. Blew our tents into the cemetery next door. We were scrambling to get everybody back into the building, which doesn't have a basement, but we thought this was the safest place. But it just came up like that. Nobody expected it, and it wasn't in the, in the weather report. And, and, and it's just like, this is what these guys are facing now, but you're out on the ocean, so it's a lot different than being on land. And so uh, a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat uh, so that it was already filling. Verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. What kind of a detail? Why would we put this? Jesus is in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Does that tell you a little bit about where they might have been spiritually speaking? Right? I mean, ask him another question, but not do you care? I mean, they just walked with him while he did all these miracles for the people, and they were constantly, you know, uh, trying to push the babies away, and he was pulling them in, and all of this, and he's loving people and caring for people and and ready to give his life for people, and they ask him, do you not care that we're perishing? It's, it's, It's almost like, come on, come up with something better than that. And then verse 39, and then he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So he totally turns the situation around because he spoke into the storm the right words. And he was able to do this. And I'm thinking as a church, you know, what are we, what are we capable of doing? What are we considering doing? What are we praying about doing as we see this storm all around us, and, and uh, the, 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 the storm is not slowing down. It doesn't seem to be slowing down. It seems like by the time if it did stop, we'd already have so many changes that our nation is not the same nation that it was a year and a half ago. Do we kind of agree with that? I mean, honestly, when you look around, you, you just go to these places and you see uh, what's happening and, uh, and you think, wow, how can this even even be. But it is. But I think God still has the answer for it. He's not given up on giving the answer. And for whatever reason that it's still lingering on, I believe it, it, would, it behooves us as the church to say, God, help us now to see clearly what's happening. Because we, we might be like the disciples, you know, don't you even care, God, what's going on? Well, of course he cares. Of course he cares. But he goes on to say this here in verse 40. He says, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Isn't it the faith that would move a mountain? Isn't it, isn't it just even small faith that can move mountains and make changes? 
And, and I'm trying to get us to change our, our paradigm about what is the church all about? What are you all about and what are you doing? You know, right now, how, what mode are you in in life? Are you just trying to survive like a lot of other people? Are you storing up food? Are you, what are you doing? And I'm not against any of that, but what are you doing? And, and, and have we as the church stepped into this place where we're like, okay, God, you, you've given us faith. You said you give all of us a measure of faith. How am I going to use my faith to, to make a change in this thing? Jesus, your faith calmed the entire storm. What about my faith that you gave me? And not only did you give me faith, but you also gave me the same Holy Spirit that you said was working in you and through you. Right? Because he said he never did anything on his own. He did what the Father said, and he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so, so sometimes we have to let this settle in to say, wait a minute. Yes, he clearly said, I've given to every person a measure of faith. We all have that. And he said, I want to give everybody the Holy Spirit. And I want you to experience this thing. And verse 41 kind of reveals maybe what they learned. I I think they learned in verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who can this be? Now, I want to ask you this question. Uh, Who is he to you? Remember the disciples went through this when Jesus came and approached them. And this is important. This is important for all of us. He came to them and he said, who do you say that I am? Right? He challenged them three times. Peter was getting bugged. But what was, what was Jesus trying to do? He was trying to get him down to a point of reality. He was trying to increase his faith in him. And who he was. So he had to press him. Again, later he said, hey, uh, was it to, to, uh, to, to John, love my people, love my sheep. Three times, right? Begin to irritate him. What was he doing? He's trying to press him in a little bit. And I believe that we're at a place now as a church, not just us, but church at large, that he's pushing us in to say, hey, we need to fear the Lord, not anybody else. We don't need to fear what's happening in our government. We don't need to fear what's happening in our world. We need to learn to fear. And this is what Amos said, return to the plumb line. Let's return to God. Return to Jesus. Let him be your personal, personal guide. Let him have that personal relationship with you so that he can use you to bring resolve to to what's happening around us. I've not given up on that, just by the way. I do believe the church can move mountains. I do believe that, that God can still raise the dead. I do believe that he can do a miracle for our nation. I do believe he wants to save our nation. I think he loves America. I think he loves what we've done for the rest of the world for the most part. I just do. I just happen to to do to believe that. I'm not against America. I don't think. I, I know. I recognize our sin. I recognize the things that we do that isn't good. But we've done so much that is good, and all of that came like no other nation in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? We weren't. We were taking both help and the name of Jesus Christ, which is the greatest help that we could give to anybody else. I remember going to a pastor's conference years ago in um, Atlanta, Georgia. It was a Promise Keepers pastor's conference. And I remember uh, an Indian 
uh, old, old Indian gentleman got up on the platform and he began to share his story about what happened to the Indians. But at the end of his story, he says, I know we were mistreated. He says, I know we were mistreated. But he said, you know something? We would have never found Jesus Christ if Americans wouldn't have come to us. And I just thought, that just hit me. And I'm not justifying doing anything wrong. I'm just saying, this, is, this guy was recognizing, man, we were following sun gods and rock gods and every other deceptive god that there was. But through this here, we come to find out the true God, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But they feared exceedingly. Wait a minute, I thought they were afraid earlier. Now they're really afraid. And it's in the context of recognizing all of a sudden that they're in the presence of the Almighty God. They're in the presence of Jesus. All of a sudden they saw him a little deeper for who he really was. And I believe this morning this is what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to open all of our hearts, mine included, so that I could step into knowing who he is a little bit deeper than what I do right now. How many know it's a process? It's a growth process. You grow in your relationships. And this is what he's wanting to you. And these guys all of a sudden realize, wow, wait a minute. <laughs> guys, this is Jesus. This is really God. We've been following him around thinking he was the teacher, but he's really God. I think a lot of people are following God around thinking he's just a good teacher, but he's really God. He's the almighty God. And if we don't know him as that, we're never going to call on his name as that. So what do we do? Number one, I think we just need to uh, take a look at our faith. Has unbelief settled in? Or does faith still move you today? And what does that look like for you? You know, we all say, oh yeah, I have faith. Of course I have faith. But what does that do for you? I have come to find out that faith always has movement and it always has action. And it has results. And so how are you doing when it comes to your faith? Or have you, and, and I'm, just, I'm just trying to be transparent here. I haven't backslidden. I didn't backslide. But I guarantee over the past year I've been challenging my own faith. To say, Danny, what do you really believe? Because I am watching some pastors that are starting to give in to the things that the world's trying to feed us. And I'm like, wow, I can't do that. I can't do that. That's not God's desire for me to go that direction. It's not my, uh, his desire for me to begin to compromise what the scriptures, the plumb line says, just so that they'll be happy with me. But I have to step up and say, God, what does your plumb line say? Do, do you hear what I'm saying, church? Yeah. And you just see this happening and people just back off and before you know it, they're, just, they're acting like they don't have faith at all. And this is not what God wants. He wants us to have faith that anticipates a good outcome because we're following him. And even though the, 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 the boaters got their, their, their faith rocked a little bit, he still saved them, right? And he, he grew them. The second thing is, is the trust. Are you wavering in your trust of what God can and will do in this day and this hour? 
Are you wavering in it? You can read through James chapter 1 and he says, hey, if you're wavering, it's just it's like, it's not good. And then the third thing I think that we can do now, um, and, and I want to wrap this up this morning somehow, is just to consider what the plumb line says. What does the word say to you? Have you been getting into the word more than anything else, or at least more than you have in the past? Is this book alive to you? Can I just say this right now? If it isn't, you're going to shrink in your faith. You're going to shrink in your morality. You're going to shrink in your convictions. And you're going to begin to believe whatever you're reading or listening to the most. It's, it's just it's a simple rule of life. <laughs> you listen to that enough, it begins to settle into your heart and settle into your spirit. But faith comes right here. Or, or maybe let me put it this way. He put faith inside of us and the word ignites that faith that he put inside of us. So that now all of a sudden, I'm beginning to believe God. And when I hear some of these other reports that are coming through, um, I'm not just falling for it. I'm not just falling for it. But, but I know in my knower, Jesus, of course, and his word. It's time to quit thinking that we can get by without spending time with God and in his word. Yeah. I'm just here to announce to you today, if this isn't a desire for you or a passion for you, then that's a problem yeah. for you. And, and you might be able to survive and skate through this life at this point. <clears throat> <clears throat> but it's not going to work down the road. You know that the Bible actually says that <clears throat> in the last days that even the elect will be deceived. Even the elect will be deceived. So he's actually going to shorten the time. That's how crazy things are going to get. And, and I don't know, you know, I, th I think we just seem to be getting closer and closer, don't you? To, to some of the stuff that's coming through. I mean, honestly, the, the gender stuff and where are we going? Where are we going? And with us, how are you with all of this stuff that's so against what God would think or how he created us? Can I just be honest with you? We got to decide that because if we fall into the lie of you don't have any compassion. Well, if you don't, you need to get that addressed and taken care of. But that should not be a reason that we would go against the very direct, clear word of God in any area of our life. And that's where the church needs to begin to stand up. And now's the time for this to happen. Here's what Proverbs and Psalms says about the fear of the Lord. And I'll, I'll close with these three scriptures. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. Psalms 111 verse 10. These are on your notes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, all who follow his precepts have good understanding. Wow. 
if you're not reading it, you can't follow it. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard, of course. But we do always find time for things that we're passionate about. Right? I mean, we just do. Some of you are going to race home in about 30 minutes because you're passionate about something. (laughs) Matter of fact, some of you are praying this morning for the first time in a while. Lord, help him to finish. All right, Proverbs 14, 27. And again, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Wow. The fear of the Lord. This is what happened to these disciples that were in the boat. They were afraid of the storm at first. That was big. But then all of a sudden, when Jesus stepped up and dealt with it, their fear got redirected to where it should have been in the beginning. The fear of the Lord. And I, I just, I, I just want to call us up, call us up, and the word would really be return that was that's been said over and over and over uh, throughout the scriptures. Uh, return, return, return. If you're a believer, but yet you're finding that your journey with God has cooled off, or you've lost your passion then the call today is return to it and return maybe to the uh, also to the fear of the Lord and, 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 and that fear is a beautiful fear it's just an acknowledgement of who he really is and how great he really is uh, as, as a person and how much he cares about you and how much he wants you to be close to him because through the fear of the Lord he's going to save you in all things so just bow your head for just a second. I just want you to just take a second and just uh, maybe ask yourself a couple things. You know, do I have a passion for the Lord? Or do I just go to church faithfully? I, I found that, you know, I have the faithfulness badge at church. Or uh, do I really have the passion? Because, you know, the Bible does say that when sin abounds, that coldness of heart begins to settle into people. And I'm afraid that we have so much sin abounding around us now, and we all know this, that we're starting to cool off, starting to chill out in this relationship with God. But he's calling us up today, I believe, to just examine ourselves according to his plumb line, according to his word, and uh, begin to step up into that relationship with him. And so, Father, I pray right now as we take a moment to pause and ponder. I pray that each one of us would be moved even as the disciples were uh, in the boat ride. Well, all of a sudden, (laughs) they not only asked themselves, who is this guy? Who is this man? But I believe they also acknowledged it. We know that by how they followed him even after that. And they even ended up giving all of their lives, uh, I think all but one, were martyred for this man Jesus that they 
grew to know. So move upon my heart and all of our hearts this morning to pull us in deeper into this relationship with you, Father. And I thank you for each and every person here, each and every person online, that your word, oh God, would just move inside of us today. In Jesus' name.